Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined by easily the biggest Nightmare on Elm Street fan in the world. She is an amazing Nancy Thompson cosplayer, the host of the YouTube show Snacks and Screams, and she's even worked with Fangoria. Please welcome my friend, Deandra. Hello, Austin. I'm so happy that I finally got to be on your show. I'm happy too. It's so funny because the other half of Captain Sassy Media, Jason, just like I was talking to you first about being on the show. And then Jason just swooped in with the Jurassic Park love. <laughs> he really does love Jurassic Park. It's like I learn so much about because it's not I mean, he it's his favorite movie of all time, of course, but he loves so much about cinema as well. My with all my horror knowledge or whatever weird references I might be making, I always love learning from him the things he knows because he likes The Shining, which he talked about. And there are things that he's thought thought about and kind of have learned has learned that I have not because I've never really delved that far into The Shining or Jurassic Park. I remember watching him when I was little and being like, dinosaurs rule. But <laughs> um, he really I, I love hearing him analyze it and listening to you guys go back and forth and talk about it with the way that I like usually talk about horror or nightmare or scream or anything like that. That's awesome. Well, to be fair, I'm still like dinosaurs rule. So <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> My favorite's uh, the velociraptor. Oh, yes. Gotta give them oh, I love that clever girl. <laughs> yeah, I have a shirt with that on it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is the best shirt, really. Like as a Jurassic Park fan. The real ones have clever girl shirts, <laughs> but we are not here to talk about Jurassic Park. We are here to talk about the man of our dreams, a Mr. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> um, Always love talking about Freddy. <laughs> yes. And I'm so excited. Before we talk about the Springwood slasher, I was wondering what's kind of like your journey with horror. Where did you start? So I was born in October. And I think when I was younger, I was not really allowed to watch certain movies, especially horror movies. My parents, I remember watching them watching What Lies Beneath and I had to like shield my myself. They'd be like, close your eyes, close your eyes. You can't watch this. Um, and then there were just movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit that I couldn't watch or Matilda was even something that I wasn't really allowed to watch. Um, but I did when my grandma would take me to the video store. And my, my cousin is actually a huge Universal Monsters fan was back then and he is now he has a collection of his own so I'm not totally alone in the family but he had the VHS tapes of Bela Lugosi Dracula Frankenstein meets the Wolfman the Wolfman and my grandmother had those under her TV and I would always ask to put them on so I watched the Wolfman and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman a lot uh, Dracula was a little scary for me so I didn't watch it that much and then that I really loved those movies. And then being a Disney fan, there was always something scary about them. And being born in October, I always had like witches on my cake or like pumpkins. And I always loved Halloween. And 
one of my birthday parties before I was ever a massive horror fan, I went to a haunted hayride and had was like, do you guys have like a room? Like, mom, can we go here? Do they have like a room? And so they found a, a place in the back and we had like cookie cake and stuff. And then we went on the hayride and that was like my birthday party. And I just always was very fascinated by spooky things. And I watched some movies at like sleepovers growing up, but was still not like a huge fan into it. And then I was on vacation with uh, with my family and for some reason had a dream about Freddie and woke up and was like, all right, um, I want to go back and uh, rent some of his movies because everybody knows who Freddie is. And I did. And it just kind of took off from there. But uh, I, I think it's really hard to pinpoint because I just remember watching spooky stuff, but I never got really into it because I was always a scary cat and I wasn't really allowed to watch it. But that weird, random Freddy Krueger dream that spawned out of nothingness um, because I was obsessed with Phantom of the Opera, the musical from 2004, that movie version at the time. And then it just like was like overnight a nightmare on Elm Street. So it's just like the most random beginning, but how fitting that it starts with a dream. That is awesome. It's a uh, poetic in a way too. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh it's it's very strange. I think sometimes my my passions really come through a lot harder in dreams or, or just something about them. Even j- just some other things that I've really liked have started with dreams, but it's nothing compared to a nightmare on Elm Street and what it's become. I mean, it really has taken over my life in a good way. Yeah. I um I've never had a Freddy Krueger dream, I have to be honest. Really? Not not even one? Well, growing up, I was never really afraid of Freddy Krueger because Freddy was never, I didn't, I never encountered Freddy growing up. Like I knew who he was because everyone knows Freddy, but it wouldn't be like he'd pop up on, on a clip of like VH1's We Love the Movies or something like that, or We Love the 80s, whatever that show was called. And it wasn't until I was older and less of, because I was also a scaredy cat growing up but no my boogeyman growing up was Michael Myers he was always on the television it seemed like because I wouldn't say my mom she didn't really say I couldn't watch scary movies I just naturally avoided them because I was a scaredy cat but she she loves horror movies so I I specifically remember sneaking around the corner while she's watching Carrie or the Amityville Horror and those movies freaking me out. But yeah, I, I don't really have memories of Freddy growing up. So maybe that's why I've had him. I think I've had Michael Myers dreams when I so was So then how little. did you become a, how did you get into Freddy then? I was in college, I think, is I was late to the Freddy party. So when it comes to the, the slasher subgenre, Ghostface is my favorite. I, uh, my mom... <laughs> My mom showed me Scream while I was in high school and it was and Scream is a movie that's like, oh, I like the horror genre. Like this is the genre I like because I think Scream kind of matches my personality. I like to think I'm kind of a I like movies. I think I'm funny, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I think Scream lead. If you watch Scream first, it leads a lot of people to Nightmare because of the Wes Craven connection. But it led me to Halloween. <laughs> Is it because um, of the first movie or? I, I think like, so. Like, I'm talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I I um 
I keep almost forgetting in like my own way because I'm so deep in a nightmare that Wes is such a big part of Scream 2, which it's my second favorite horror franchise. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh, and Wes is a part of it too, because uh, he was, he was everywhere. Everybody always talks about Wes and how wonderful Wes was and everything like that. So my natural inclination would be to think about Wes and Scream, Wes and A Nightmare on Elm Street, but taking away Halloween from that is a super interesting like path. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's been like, oh yes, I saw Scream and then went to Halloween. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I think it's because I always, like growing up, I would always encounter Michael Myers stuff mm. for whatever reason, but I didn't watch the movies because they scared me. <laughs> so um, then when you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're good, you're good. But after I watched Scream, I was <laughs> like, now I'm ready for Michael Myers. Now I think mm. I can handle that Mike guy. So it was, was like in... a stepping stone? Yeah. Kind of like, okay, I, I can't, I didn't have to go like all in to Halloween. I have like a little bit of scary and then like there's a little bit more. Now I feel confident enough to like totally go all the way. Exactly. And once, once I conquered Halloween, I was, that was sometime in high school. Then I was watching all the horror I can find that. Then I got into Saw <laughs> and um, Friday the 13th. Final Destination. Um, Final Destination. <laughs> I love Final Destination. The first one I watched was the fifth one because I was that was my last oh, year of high school and that movie just came out. And, you know, when you're a senior in high school, you're hanging out with your senior senior buddies and it's like, let's watch the horror movies. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, because I remember uh, even though I'd gotten into horror earlier, like I think I was 14. I think it was 14. It was like the beginning of high school between freshman and sophomore year. And that's when I got into horror. But I remember then just people being willing to go see like paranormal activity came out when I was in high school and people were going to see that and talking about how scary it was. So that's like the in thing when you're a teenager, especially in high school. I think you've got to go see horror movies if you want like an exciting night. Well, it's funny because I'm saying how I like kind of avoided horror movies until I was about mid high school. I think that's when my mom showed me scream. But now I just you said paranormal activity. And I'm like, my mom took me to see that in theaters. I was a <laughs> freshman in high school. And she took me and my, oh my high school buddies, like younger high school boys, because he's a trooper. <laughs> Man, that's so that, cool, though, that your mom did that. Oh, yeah, she's gr shout out to my mom who's listening. Um, <laughs> but she goes to all like the comic cons and horror conventions with me and we still go see horror movies the last one we saw was the black phone her, her and i and one of my friends we saw the black phone but yeah now i'm getting flashbacks of seeing paranormal activity in theaters did it scare you or were you some oh yeah like, oh yeah yeah demon movies i have to say <laughs> oh my god me too i love i mean i really enjoy watching them because yeah. i think they're really really creepy and like insidious and sinister and the conjuring movies like i've seen every when they have come out in theaters i've just gone to see like all of them because they were coming out well when i during my horror fandom which is still going on and uh <laughs> so i went i went to see all of them but the paranormal activity movies like i watched them i watched all of them i think except for the last one no, maybe I, maybe I did. Everything runs together, but they always freaked me out because there's something about demons are real ish. Like it's one of the things in horror that can be real. 
like I believe that they are real. And so just having that like first person POV, like, like you're there and experiencing this in real life. Like when I walk around, I'm like, is there one in the corner over there? Like, is it possible to paranormal activity? Put that in my head. And, uh, so they always terrified me. I mean, I watched host on shutter. Yeah. Oh my God. I am not even joking that the hair was standing up in the back of my head and my arms when I was going to bed and I had to turn the lights on because I was just so chilled to the bone from watching that. It's just those kinds of movies really get me. They get me too. I love that our tangents have been like dreams and high school horror because <laughs> even when we're not talking about Freddy, Freddy is 100% those things. So it's all like Freddy related, even if it's not specifically about Freddy yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to tell this story real quick because I think you'll get a kick out of it. At one of my when senior year of high school, hanging out with my other marching band buddies, because that's what you do when you're not playing band as you're watching horror movies. I was in band too. So you know. <gasps> what did you play? Well, actually, technically I was on the flag line, but when I was in grade school, I did clarinet. Okay. But the flag line, that's a band. That is part of the band. Oh yeah. Band camp. So exactly. What'd you play? Trumpet. Oh, nice. Trumpeters rule. Okay. I'm done. All right. Continue <laughs> with your story. <laughs> no worries. But, um, I mean, us band nerds got to unite once we figure it out. <laughs> You know exactly what I mean when I'm saying like the marching band, like seniors hanging out and watching horror movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did that. We did that. We would play um, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Yes. We'd watch, and then we would drink Blue Mountain Dew and eat pizza. That was like our every Friday night. I'm getting so many flashbacks to high school right now. Um, <laughs> but the one specific one I want the mem story I wanted to say real quick was we were hanging out. This is our third time doing this. I think at this point we've watched Seven, The Human Centipede, and The Final Destination, which is a pretty good, and probably Jurassic Park was in there somewhere because I always force everyone to watch Jurassic Park. But I suggested we watch The Exorcist because I've never seen it. And I hear it's like the scariest movie of all time. So me being a cop, um, all of us really being cocky high school teenagers think we're bigger and badder than the exorcist we put it on and we were stupid and kept talking through it so it wasn't scary at all we stopped it halfway through before it even got scary and we put on scream three instead <laughs> nice and i was telling my grandpa about this uh couple weeks or, or it was a little while after i was telling my grandpa about he goes, you didn't think it was scary? It's like the scariest movie ever. I'm like, well, I didn't finish it either. He goes, you have to watch it all the way through. And then you're never going to want to watch it again. I say, okay, grandpa, whatever, you know. So I watch it by myself one night and I haven't seen it since because it scared the shit out of me. Really? And I, I was in college at the time. So it was a little while. It was a maybe like a year, a year and a half afterwards. And I think that's the scariest movie I've ever seen. Oh, wow. What other movies kind of have have chilled you? Like, what else have you seen that you're like, that is that's a scary movie. Like as a horror fan, that freaked me out. What would Conjury. you say? OK, good choice. Well, movies don't really freak me out anymore. I don't know if you have. That's I mean, I get jump scared all the time. Yeah, I think the recent one for me was was probably host. I feel like there was another one that I thought was 
very, very creepy. I think a lot of the like depressing, like modern movies, freak, like Hereditary didn't necessarily scare me, but it was certainly something that I do not want to watch. Like I've seen it, I think two times maybe. And I, yeah. I it's one of the ones that I just won't really watch because it, it's unsettling. It's a very unsettling movie. Oh, I, I know. To answer your question, The Witch. Ooh. I think that, I fell asleep halfway through it, so I never watched it all the way, <laughs> but I feel like it is one of those kinds of movies. Well, I felt like I needed to take a shower after I saw that movie. And then <sighs> um, my mom hasn't seen it. And she's like, I know you keep telling me to watch the movie, but I don't want to watch it by myself. Are you going to watch it with me? And I said, no, I seen it. <laughs> I, I did my Oh, part. no, you won't even do her a service. She did all that for you growing up and you won't even, you won't even like, I'm here for you, mom. It's a scary movie. I already seen it. <laughs> oh man. But um, yeah, that's a brilliant film that I don't intend on watching anytime soon. <laughs> I forgot that was Anya Taylor Joy. Like I look, oh, I, yeah. I see pictures pop up from time to time, and I'm like, oh my god, that is her. Holy cow, because she's just doing so much and she's such a good actress. And I remember the bit that I did see of it. Like I thought that it was good um, and she was super talented for how long young she looked or was. I don't know how young she was at the time, but yeah, now look at her. She's just in everything. She's so I good. I appreciate that she still does horror though. She didn't, yeah. um, she's not shying away from that background. Cause like, I think the last one was last night in Soho mm -hmm. and she was Did really, you watch it? I did. She I like enjoyed it? it. Yeah. Good. Me too. Me I too. love the dance the ballroom dance scene and like when she goes to bed for the first time and then she like goes through like the dream tunnel it another movie about dreams <laughs> <laughs> um and then it's like and then that song you're my world is playing and she sees like the giant thunderball poster with sean connery because she's in like 60s london it's so that is like that's cinema <laughs> yeah, I want I want Jason to watch it. It's on our watch list uh, for some point because I think he's really going to like it. I um, saw it in the theater when it came out because I just couldn't wait. And I was like, this looks like a good movie, first of all. Um, and then watching it, I, I just loved it even more. Like, it's just such a such a beautiful, interesting film. Um, great stuff. Great stuff. Oh, and I have a question yeah. for you, actually. Speaking of her still doing horror. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, like, you remember how horror was, like, was the birthplace of, like, Kevin Bacon and Jennifer Aniston and Johnny Depp and blah, 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 blah. And it was, like, the place that people started. Do oh, yeah, you Paul feel Rudd. Like it's, yeah. Do you feel like it's become a genre where people either start or they're, like, good actors who are, like, wanting to do horror like Vince Vaughn and Freaky and some of these other things do you think that it's kind of moved outside of that like stigma a little bit it's hard to say because with current horror you never know how it's gonna be looked at in 10 years who's gonna be the stars 10 years from now but I think I don't know I think the stigma went away but good actors are still getting their start in horror, if that makes sense. Because yeah. off the top of my head, I think of um, Anya Taylor-Joy. Like her first big movies were The Witch and Split. I haven't seen Split. She's in that. Hmm. Hmm, now I'm going to have to watch that. <laughs> Those films came out around the same time 
But like Split's a good example because it's one of the first movies with Anya Taylor-Joy, but it's also features James McAvoy, who's done a lot of great stuff before Split, but he's attracted to this really insane role where he gets to really go for it. And you can't really do that in genres other than horror. I feel like that's super true. I think that horror allows people to get outside of the norm and kind of showcase their chops, which is such a weird thing to say. I don't even know if people say that anymore, but (laughs) because there is like, there are roles like that or um, just kind of spooky or possessed or like Toni Collette and Hereditary, she has that Mm -hmm. monologue. Oh my God, that whole thing and just how she acts in that whole movie that takes some extremely good acting to be able to pull off being scared and angry in that way. I mean, I just think horror really does challenge people to do different things that are outside of being like a normal person. I mean, you do have normal people in horror movies, but I think they're probably fun and then they can challenge people because I feel like being scared would have to be one of the most difficult things to do and be like consistently good at it with how many takes that people probably have to get. It just feels like you'd be exhausted super fast. Right. And I'm luckily not an actor, but that's got to be draining, like mentally and physically. Um, Yeah. There's a story about Mary Elizabeth Winstead great actress, got her start in horror, Final Destination 3, that um, she, like, I guess during, like, a rehearsal of a take, she was able to produce a tear or something like that, but for the actual take, she kind of exhausted herself in the rehearsal, and she couldn't produce that tear again, and it took a bunch of takes, and it was, like, really frustrating, so I think you're right in that regard. I think horror is in a different, a different place than it was in the 80s, so I think uh, how so in what in what way just hearing your thoughts about that like what do you think well as someone who is not alive in the 80s <laughs> I could only kind of look like at the reviews of the time kind of just trust pub- what I find about public opinion at the time but the big movies are like the Friday the 13th films the Nightmare on Elm Street films um the thing is a huge 80s horror movie and those didn't really get great reviews hellraiser i think was a big popular one child's play but um film critics weren't really digging horror movies at that time and there's i think the 80s really highlighted that bias against them whereas now you get critically acclaimed horror movies like hereditary and get out and the witch and i don't think horror is that as looked down upon as it was then, although I think horror is going through a new hurdle where everyone's like, well, that's elevated horror. It's better than normal horror. It's like, no, it's just a good movie in a genre. Every genre has bad movies. <laughs> yeah, I think like looking back through the, the generations, kind of how horror has evolved and you can kind of see how every decade is a tr- transition like coming out of the slashers and the gritty but fun nature of the 80s and going into the 90s when it was a little more fun but it got a little more dark and then early 2000s coming and building like this gothic 
still kind of fun. I really think, you know, Scream defined a lot of that. And then moving out of that into like the remake period and then some of the home invasion movies and then getting more into some of the more serious horror movies that, yeah, they really are artistic and they have like the big appeal to that. Although it's still a shame that the Academy does not yet recognize really like have horror in its own genre. Um, not that I think horror, not to personify it or anything, would even care because they were like, <laughs> I don't really care. I don't need to be recognized. Right. But being able to have the recognition of horror, I think is like super important because it's just full of all kinds of like unique ideas and scripts and special effects and the scores are amazing. I mean, Bear McCreary is one of my favorite current composers. He just does fantastic. Every time I start a movie and it's like composed by Bear McCreary, I'm like, terrific. I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's just all kinds of great stuff going on in horror. So I, I agree with you. I just really wanted to hear your thoughts on that because it just, seems like yeah it is making a transition in so many people do call it elevated horror and I guess technically it can be called that although sometimes I feel like people are just picking on the genre movies I don't even know what you'd call it like what would you classify the witch hereditary midsommar like what would you classify these movies as like depressing horror I don't know (laughs) what would you call it well for me personally I like the term art house that's interesting because yeah, those are that's very applicable. Because those are movies where I want to put like my pinky up with my champagne glass, uh, watch with my college friends, and like try and dissect the themes. But I I don't like the term elevated horror because one it it just assumes that that type of horror movie is better than the other types, which I don't think is true at all. And then I think there's a brand new what's the word I'm looking for revival of the slasher subgenre because like Michael Myers is back, Ghostface is back, Leatherface is back, but then we get new slashers in the mix like X, Freaky, and Happy Death Day. And it's a wide range of tones in these slasher movies because like Happy Death Day is a fun teenage comedy and X, I think it kind of falls in that art house house realm, but Mm -hmm. it's also really gnarly. (laughs) So... I, uh, for the longest time, because even though we had the remakes, it still didn't feel like a slasher revival. I don't, not for me anyway, maybe I was too young, but it is really interesting that slashers are back. Like I'm so jazzed. I remember being really excited just like with the idea that, okay, horror goes through these phases and I'm like will the slasher genre come back at some point will it come back at some point that would be really cool and then I remember during COVID someone wrote an article and said the next resurgence is going to be slashers and here's why and I can't remember they said but it made sense and I was like gosh I hope so and now here we are and they're back and there there is those new slashers and the slashers that we all know and love are getting tv shows and netflix releases and all kinds of stuff except for freddie but we won't get into that yet maybe we will i don't know probably um but (laughs) it's just super interesting and if warner brothers just happens to be listening i feel like there's a missed opportunity that they have not gone after a nightmare on elm street yet because of all of this revival stuff that's happening, which I'm assuming that there's definitely some legal issues going on on the back end because of the Craven estate owning mm-hmm. 
Nightmare and Freddy in the States and Warner having the international rights to it, to produce something would be pretty difficult. I think they would have to come to some kind of agreement in order to do that, but I hope that they do. Well, if Scream can do it, it doesn't make sense to me why they, I mean, everyone likes money. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, they do. What's interesting is how do you make, I think the current trend right now is what the new Scream excellently called the requel trend or the legacy sequel. I don't know if you can do that with The Nightmare on Elm Street. People have thrown out some ideas. They've said, you know, pick up after part two, where, which I think would be tricky because people love Dream Warriors so much that just erasing Dream Warriors would be a problem or picking up after Dream Warriors, which is possible. I know people want to bring Nancy back and it would be cool to bring the innovation publishing comics into it where we have Nancy living on in the beautiful dream and she gets to team up with Alice and Dan and, um, Yvonne and we, we get some of those people um, back. So I think that that's possible. One of the tricky things with that is the fact that, you know, everybody's gotten older, so they're not preserved in the beautiful dream. She's not preserved in the beautiful dream as Nancy and right. back in the eighties. But at the same time, I mean, looking at Twin Peaks, the third season, everybody got older, including Laura Palmer, but they're there. She, they all were, you know, she, they were all older, but still in the Black Lodge. So being able to explain it as maybe like being like half in, half out or something like that would be uh, pretty interesting. And I know that people are doing a lot of those requels. I just think people are so tied to a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels that it might be harder. But then again, I don't know that much about Halloween on this level. If people were really that upset when they decided to do the requel with Lori and make it different and kind of go back on some of those earlier things that were established. I mean, you probably know Halloween better than I do, even though I love Halloween. Um, What was the reaction to that? Like from a lot of the fans, like that requel? I don't actually remember if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, Cause Halloween is one of those things where it's like, I'm a fan. I have like a bunch of, I watch the movies every October. I have a bunch of shirts. I have a bunch of Michael merch. Um, But it's one of those franchises where I'm not really in the fan. Like, I don't know other Michael Myers fans other than like my already friends. Whereas when I go on Twitter, I see what the Scream fan base is saying or the Jurassic Park or Star Wars. But I don't see what people are saying about Halloween, except when Halloween Kills came out, because I just felt like that was annoying on Twitter. But other than that, (laughs) I don't I don't know what the Halloween fans I think it's because there's nine different timelines in the Halloween. I'm exaggerating, but there's so many different continuities in the Halloween franchise. I think you could just pick and choose at this point. I think this so was kind of like not a big deal because it was already so messed up. Uh, that That's how I would put it. I mean, I'm sure there are <laughs> some people out there who are furious but I I don't remember a huge backlash. I mean, I could be wrong. I I could have just been oblivious to it. (laughs) I asked too, because I I don't remember. I don't remember. I know that the Scream fans are super active. And I wonder if it's because I feel like there's a younger audience that is Mm -hmm. more into that than probably Halloween. I'm sure people love Halloween, but it's like, going to tribute band shows. And I remember when I would go see my fave ACDC, there weren't like a lot of people my age, but going to like Led Zeppelin or 
Floyd there typically were. And so there's like those certain kinds of movies or music or whatever that really appeal to the younger audience. And I feel like there's a lot of tweens and stuff who like Scream. I'd be curious to interview anybody that is like a tween and why their favorite is Scream because they are so active. There's so many people with Tara picture profile pictures are just talking about it. I mean, even though the movies are coming out, I mean, there's all these other horror movies coming out and nobody seems to have that kind of same um, younger audience as the Scream fans which is really, really interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. That is that is something to kind of think about to try and unpack there because Scream's always had its finger of what the fans are like and what the fans want. Like since the beginning uh, of that franchise, Wes Craven was, he was brilliant. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely was and um so i'd be i'd be curious to see what they do with nightmare i still think that even though requels are popular and i would love to see nancy make a, a comeback i think it's time to maybe shake it up a little bit i i honestly would love to see a movie that would be super cool but if i could squeeze even more out of that juice i would get ideally a prequel that is like mind hunter mm-hmm. meets hannibal and follows Don Thompson in the 70s um, going after the Springwood slasher and it just shows the downfall of the Thompson family and the struggle of the community so you have that dramatic effect of a lot of these crime shows but you Mm -hmm. also have the horror elements and I think the black phone from a tonal perspective showed that you can have some really great young characters and you could really capture the 70s and a killer of children in a great way that people will really enjoy and especially with those wanted posters on there like so much of the black phone has for me springwood flasher kind of essence and i would just love to see those two like horror worlds collide where you have that just that that mystery but also the horror because then you can appeal to the general audience plus horror fans and it has the potential to just be a really really good piece of work so I would love to have Mike Flanagan do it I think he captured a lot of the tone that I really like but and I know that he likes Nightmare but Mm -hmm. I also think the Duffer Brothers would be really cool if they did that I wouldn't mind if Blumhouse did it honestly any of those three I would trust with it I want there to be some humor and lightheartedness but not really. I think it just needs a good gritty Dory. And so you can get Freddy in it, just not as much and not until maybe a little bit later. So it, it keeps some of that mystery, but it's still terrifying because, you know, there's there's dead children. <laughs> right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I like that approach a lot. I really want to shout out the Duffer Brothers for a second because I was t- um, talking to someone and I was saying, I really like season four of Stranger Things because it was basically a nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> it was. They did a really, they really, I mean, from getting Robert himself to. But oh, we I should probably say, that, say spoilers for Stranger Things 4. Cover our oh, butts yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I will, although I don't, I don't have too much, but I will say mm-hmm. Vecna's little claw. I was like, okay, the one big claw. Like that's definitely Freddy. Like that's Freddy. But between like having no nose and the way his voice was and the way he walked and some of the visuals, I mean, in my opinion, he was leaning more toward me than he was Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. He definitely, I mean, some of that, where you going, Maxie? Like, oh my 
got like that's Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> that's yeah. Freddie. It really, it really felt like that. And just having those visions when people were about to be his victims was a lot like the micronap concept of the remake. Yeah. So I feel like that worked out well. And I know that they had told goodness gracious what is his name who played Vecna slash Henry slash one oh uh oh they told they told him to watch Hellraiser to get a lot of inspiration from Pinhead which I can I can see, see that I can see that yeah I was not yeah. going to make that connection until someone pointed it out and now I'll never be able to unmake that connection <laughs> I just like remake Freddy slash Pinhead <laughs> I like that mm-hmm I like that approach because I, I definitely get the Doug Bradley vibes when he's like talking, but just the way he's torturing his victims, that just screams Freddy Krueger to me. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Creole house is kind of like the famous Thompson house. Yes. And like, uh, it just screams Freddy. <laughs> like I um, loved, I loved that. Yeah. yeah. Like when he kills Chrissy and she's like levitating. Gina. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They definitely did. And even to have Nancy, who was a derivative of Nancy Thompson, um, to have her have her moment with Fekna and him saying yeah. Nancy, I was like, oh, my God, no, stop, stop. And then having <laughs> her and Robin talk to Victor, a.k.a. Robert England, I was like, oh, my God, it's coming full circle. Oh, my God, it's so exciting. <laughs> and they did a phenomenal job with really paying homage to Nancy Thompson as well with her because her hair in this is so much like Nancy's hair in Dream Warriors. Like they really took from the first beginning when they would like flip her hair back to now having the shorter hair with the the 80s bangs. I mean, they really just kind of keep that rolling. Um, So they, they really do a fantastic job. And I was just thinking about how Stranger Things season four is my favorite season that they've done. I, I really loved it. They, and maybe, maybe because it had that essence of my favorite Mm -hmm. movies ever, (laughs) but I just, I think the characters were great. I think that the storyline was great. Vecna is terrifying. The clock, um, the use of music, uh, going to give a shout out to my boy, Eddie, because everybody's <laughs> obsessed with him and like I'm like also super obsessed with him. So yeah, I um I think they did a fantastic job. Like I'd be okay if they gave if they took over Nightmare. Like, sure, go ahead. I'll go for it. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with everything you you said. I love the fact, well, this subverted my expectations, but I knew Robert England was gonna be in season four. So when it had all these nightmare on Elm Street vibes, I was like, oh. Maybe they're going to reveal him to, you know, Vecna or something. I don't know what I was thinking. And Vecna has that deep, deep Freddy voice. I'm like, well, I don't think that's Robert, but I I can kind of get it. So when Robert finally appears, I'm just like, oh, he's Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was straight up the silence of the lambs. And I loved that. It totally subverted my expectation of what was going to happen there. And I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping that he'd be in it just like slightly more, but I think it works for the character that was just kind of like a one time thing. And his eyes were super gross. So props to the makeup department on that. I like that he's still putting on makeup. Yeah, Robert. (laughs) What about that makeup? Actually, he was just at London Comic Con putting on the makeup again. So I'm glad that he's still doing it. But I feel bad for everybody who has been like, oh, yes, this is 
Robert's last time going to be dressing as Freddie for a photo op? Absolutely. Here's like a billion dollars. And then he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm actually going to be doing it again. <laughs> okay, Robert, oh. you do you, boo. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cute though, because it's going to, this is the last time I swear. Okay, it's like an encore in a concert. <laughs> <laughs> Never ending encore of Robert as Freddie. <laughs> Uh, which speaking of Robert as Freddie in a never ending encore, mm-hmm. do you think that he should play Freddie one more time? Or do you think that it's time to give it to somebody else? To answer this question fully, I also like how you're interviewing me instead of the other way around. <laughs> I like to ask questions. I can't help it. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta step up my game, make it a little more 50, 50. <laughs> But um, yeah, to answer your question, we have to talk about my favorite actor of all time, Harrison Ford, who turned 80 today. Oh, happy birthday, Harry. Exactly. Uh, I love him. But um, I hear he's grumpy and that makes me love him even more. (laughs) I heard that too. Have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel thing when he's got like (laughs) Chewbacca? I love that. I watch that when I feel sad. He's like, bitch, how did you get in here? (laughs) That was my wife. (laughs) <laughs> but um i i just think he has uh kind of like an asshole sense of humor i don't think he's an asshole but i think he enjoys uncomfortable situations and he just kind of likes turning like turning the knife so to speak when things are uncomfortable anyways he just turned 80 and the next indiana jones film comes out next year so you're right i mean i'm assuming that he probably has quite a bit of action in that movie right and that's way different from putting on all the makeup and prosthetics you needed for Freddie. And Freddie is always going to be a physical role. I can under, I, I think the decision has to be Roberts. Yeah, I think it would have to be Roberts. And I honestly think God, God bless Robert England. Cause you know, he just keeps hiking up those prices. So I'm sure if the price was right, Robert would do it. But at the same time, I always, like, I would love to see somebody new step into the role just to prove everybody who's like, Robert is only Freddie. That is only Freddie. Wrong. Like, there's somebody else who could do it and do it good. Oh, you know, you can't appease everybody. I mean, when Robert was in the Goldbergs and he had the makeup on and he had the sweater on, it was comedic. But let's be honest, he didn't look that great as Freddie. Even now when he's at the Comic-Cons in the makeup, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't fit the same. It just doesn't. And so right. I am okay with it not being Robert. Like let the man come back for like something, but it doesn't have to be Freddy. And I absolutely do not want to see a CGI Freddy Krueger. I don't want to see a de-aged Robert England throughout the entire movie. I want to see a new actor, the makeup. I know people are talking about having it be like Robert and then he passes the torch. And I'm like, really? People are saying that they'd want to watch it be not necessarily even Freddy. I'm like, really? You want to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street and it not be Freddy? Like, why would it even be A Nightmare on Elm Street? Just go watch season season four of Stranger Things. Like, A Nightmare on Elm Street is you have Freddy Krueger. Like, that is, at the heart of it all, A Nightmare on Elm Street, no matter what it is. Because even though Nancy girl is my fave, um, (laughs) she's not in every movie. So it can be A Nightmare on Elm Street without Nancy. It could be A Nightmare on Elm Street without Alice or Don or anybody because the only person that's consistent is is Freddy and so there has to be Freddy in there and passing the torch to somebody else who becomes Freddy is weird because then he's not actually Freddy Krueger Freddy Krueger is Freddy Krueger and um 
So it really can't be anybody else. And I highly doubt someone would be like, okay, we've passed the torch. Now it's this other person. Like, I can't imagine a lot of people being okay with that. It would have to take some seriously spectacular script writing or acting or whatever it is for people to be okay with it being a nightmare on Elm Street. And now it's this other killer if it's not going to be Freddy. I just don't see how A Nightmare on Elm Street could exist without it being Freddy. I think that there's so many fantastic actors out there who could absolutely do it. Oh, Jamie Bauer. That's his name. Oh, for for, for Vecna. I know a lot of people are saying, cast him as Freddy. Shoot. Yeah, sure. Why not? Put that man up there. I'd be okay with that. He did a great job. (laughs) There are all kinds of people who could definitely do it. And with how horror has introduced us to... The capabilities of so many different actors like yeah there there's a freddy out there and i get that people want to have robert and they have all these ideas of how they can bring robert back but you also got to think about like you were saying everybody loves money and the only yeah. way that they could really get money would for it to be a good production as well so yeah sure the nightmare remake made a lot of money because it was a nightmare on elm street and people were like fuck yeah nightmare on elm street heck yeah i'm going to see it uh that's what i did and <laughs> <laughs> and so that that would get people in the door but to keep it going right you'd need to do it well and you'd need to have good actors good script whatever it is and i think that there have been enough movies whether it's like the black phone or doing stranger things or any of these callbacks that, that have just been happening in these different universes i just think that it's possible to do a really good nightmare on elm street film right now more than ever before and I, I really hope that they do and sure it would have to be Robert but if I'm being honest I'm kind of hoping that he's not asked to be Freddie at all maybe consult but I, I would rather it not be Robert well I would I would love for him to be involved um yeah but maybe in a different role like maybe he could play I, I'm I don't know it depends on the movie right uh whatever the filmmaker, whatever story the filmmaker wants to tell. But to have him as a cameo, I think would be really cool. And to kind of help consult on the character of Freddie in like maybe the screenwriting process, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even the casting of the person to play Freddie. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if they got the sign off and were like, Robert has chosen this. Because once Robert was talking about his idea of having like Freddie appear differently to everybody Mm -hmm. based on what their fears are. An interesting concept. Once again, I'm not entirely sure how sold I am on it because Michael Leatherface, Ghostface, Chucky still all look the same in these new iterations. I don't think anybody would go for a different looking Freddy Krueger. It's a great idea, but I just don't see how people would want to watch it. Even myself, like I'd still watch it because obviously it's against (laughs) the law for me not, but I just don't know that I would enjoy it. So yeah, I think if they got Robert to consult on the script and got Robert to help audition people and maybe help coach somebody or not really coach, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that would encroach maybe on an actor's. Yeah. It just depends on where they're going, but just to have Robert, somehow involved I think would be would be nice and if Robert's like I watched this movie and I really liked it I genuinely think this is good because Robert is also very prideful about how his knowledge of theater and acting yes if you look at his twitter description he talks about being best known as freddy krueger but also a seasoned veteran actor who gives like industry insights or something like that Robert loves 
to just talk about, oh, I watched this show and it was fantastic. I'd like to give kudos <laughs> to X, Y, and Z on this performance. And I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> Robert, yes, I agree with you. And, <laughs> and I, um, I just think that Robert would, would be great for consulting and, and helping to, to pick out the act and to tell a good story because he appreciates the craft and even more than Freddie because just based on that bio alone it would appear that he likes being known as Freddie and obviously he does it because he's Freddie and he makes all this money being Freddie but he has more than just Freddie and I think Robert would be willing potentially I don't I don't know I don't know what you want to (laughs) do to lend his knowledge of um, good cinema to the world for in a nightmare on elm street installment we'll see i think there is a plethora of options a filmmaker can go with a nightmare on elm street and i think that franchise is in a position where if you just you know put the money into it you can try something if it don't work you can go a completely different direction there is unlimited possibilities like halloween you you have to have michael myers and he only you know can slash people so many different ways with freddie you just have the concepts of dreams to work with that's unlimited i like your idea of having a prequel or you could go i mean i guess you can remake or reboot the franchise again that's always a possibility but do you want to know what i would do oh yeah please tell me what i would do is i would i guess this is technically along the requel trends I don't really view it as one, but what I would do is I would bring it to the town of Springwood, Ohio, and kind of make that the backdrop of what's happening in a lot of Midwest kind of like suburb outside the city towns, where in the 80s, they were all white. And you can see that in the Nightmare on Elm Street films, they're predominantly white because that's what those um, towns were. That's realistic. But now the white folk have kind of moved out of these suburbs so there's a lot more Latino and Black people and um, and still white, but it's far more diverse. But I feel like the suburbs are a little poorer than they were, or maybe not a little. But to make a Nightmare on Elm Street movie now, I think it would be really cool to follow a group. Of, well, I'm Mexican, so I'm biased towards this idea. But I would make it where a group of Latino friends move into Springwood like their families move into Springwood kind of recently. And as they start delving into the history of their new town, they accidentally awaken the spirit of Freddy, who starts killing again. So it's kind of, I'm stealing from Freddy versus Jason, but I think that was the right way to go. (laughs) That's a great idea about, first of all, like making it more modern and bringing in like some of those true aspects and also giving opportunities to non-white actors and tying in that lore because I think you're right you know the town Freddie is fed Fred fed Fred by fear Freddie is fed (laughs) by fear and people knowing who he is so if definitely the town trying to keep him under wraps and they start digging and they find this stuff I think that that would be a great way to actually reinvent the franchise and not do like a a remake of the original and have like the heroine like in the same way but to put a spin on bringing it back i think that's a great idea and i guess it's kind of like a soft reboot in the same sense jurassic world was because you still get that mystery but you don't really get legacy characters 
other than Freddie. Because yeah, I think in the version in my head, at least, I would mention Nancy Thompson and Alice and um, what's her name? The Dream Master. Oh, uh, well, Dream Master is Alice. Then there's Who's Kristen. 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 Okay, I was getting Patricia Arquette and the Dream Master confused. Um, <laughs> but um, my idea is I think their lore needs to be intact, but it needs to be a new group of kids to create their own lore. And you don't necessarily need to bring them in. I want to run an idea by you real quick. See what you Go think. Go for it. Do it. I think you can really play with music in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think... So this kind of takes inspiration from Jaws, but with The Nightmare on Elm Street, you need that iconic score. You, you just can't do without it. But I think Freddy Krueger is kind of a, I think he's kind of an ass. I mean, yeah, he kills kids, but he really likes toying with kids. And I think a way we can do this that hasn't really been seen before is I like the idea of him using 60s music to announce his arrival. Mm. and to the point where once the kids figure out this tactic every time they hear like an oldie they're gonna freak out they don't know if that if they're dreaming or awake or asleep you know that's a really good idea the 60s music is really interesting have you ever seen urban legends bloody mary no it's the third of the urban legends films i just watched it recently but Bloody Mary in it, she alerts people that she's going to be there when 60s music starts playing. <laughs> 60s music, I think. Um, so that makes me think of it. That would be really interesting. Why 60s music? Well, I think that's when Freddy Krueger was alive. You are the Freddy Krueger expert. So please tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was killed in like 68 or 69. Yeah. So and then, the timeline is all over the place. People have tried to debate it, but the Nightmare Companion has some decent stuff around that. Okay. But yeah, I, it would be like late 60s, early 70s-ish time frame somewhere in there. Okay. So even if it was like 72 or 73, the 60s would still be the predominant decade that Freddy Krueger mm -hmm. would have listened to music to. And thematically, well, I mentioned how I figure, because that's how suburbs are right now. The kids being Latino and black and um, white, but like just poorer than suburban families of the 80s. I think thematically, Freddy Krueger's not just killing the kids. I think he's attacking their futures. So, and I didn't mention this part, but in my mind, I imagine these kids dreaming about what they want to be when they get out of Springwood. Like they want to be doctors or rock stars or astronauts, stuff like that. So they're dreaming about their futures and Freddy Krueger's already killing kids. So he's killing the future using music of the past to kind of rub the salt in the wounds of while he's attacking the future. That's that's why I picked the 60s. It's really interesting. I want that feels like um, a commentary on the de-evolution of the United States with some of the more some of these different viewpoints taking hold mm -hmm. and a lot of people generally feeling like okay roe v wade was overturned there's these different principles that people want to what is this the 60s you know what is this the yeah. 50s taking away their future is kind of symbolic of this idea that i think a lot of younger people have is that we're re reverting back to like a while ago and so their future is going to look different because of these 
things that happen are happening now that are very reminiscent of the past. I think that that would be an excellent way to symbolize some of those modern fears that kids have. And I mean, it's something that scares me. I guess I'm not a kid anymore because I'm 27, but I'm young enough to have a future. <laughs> but that's something that I think about a lot. And I just think that's what the core of Freddy is, is just being angry, right? So he uh, takes it out on the future. That's kind of just the direction I would take. And also 60s music already has like a dreamlike quality to it anyways. Isn't that when that song, dream, was that the 50s or 60s? I don't know. I get confused. <laughs> I think it's the 60s. I'm not sure. I wonder what most of the songs, like on Freddie's Greatest Hits, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like um, Wooly Bully and stuff like that. So it's like Freddie, I'm, I'm going to look this up because I have it right here, but I don't want to take it out of the wall. <laughs> um, that would be kind of funny though, also, because... That's a nice little homage to Freddie's greatest hits over here with him being involved in all these songs. I think they might also all be 60s songs. So that's kind of funny too. Let me look. I honestly did not to, know. To do some research. <laughs> you didn't know that the Freddie's greatest hits were all 60s stuff. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure because they've got Wooly Bully, Don't Sleep, In the Midnight Hour, uh, Do the Freddie, which I'm pretty sure Freddie and Dreamers cover as well as a parody, Wooly Bully. I'm going to look when Wooly Bully was originally from. I'm going to have to look into some of these. Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. Oh, that's <laughs> from 1987. Whoa. Oh. I did not expect that. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that, that either. sound like an 80s song. Mm -mm. I'll have to I'll have to look at when a lot of these songs were because I feel like, yeah, that would be hilarious also if they did tie it back into like some of these kinds of songs from that decade as well because then it would be like a callback little nod to the greatest hits and only like the most knowledgeable horror fans would probably get it <laughs> exactly yeah if i were lucky and uh enough to actually pull this off i would try and put as many easter eggs from the from the previous freddy movies as possible too not enough to where they're, they're taken away from the story i want it to be its own story but i want to draw inspiration from all the freddy movies kind of like how new nightmare was because that's my favorite but it's a love letter to freddy i don't want it to be like ready player one where you're looking at every like all over the frame for as many nuggets as possible as much as i love that movie that's not what i'm going for but i want to kind of like for example I really want to use the song Indigata De Vida. Yes. I like it. Do it. And you being a also, huge Also, I've appointed you the, the head of this project. <laughs> <laughs> Do I, it. I put, I put a lot of thought <laughs> into this because it's something I really want. It's funny because I, I have one short to my name, but here I am like putting a lot of thought and time into a Freddy movie, whereas like the Duffer Brothers or Mike Flanagan, like, I think they're a little higher on the list than I am. <laughs> you don't know that. You never know. They might call you up one day and be like, Austin, we listened to your podcast and we just want to say <laughs> we like your idea. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's like one of my ideas I'm really excited about. I also have an, an idea for a killer predator movie, but I, I ain't talking about it at the moment. <laughs> All right. I'll just have to ask you like in private, if you're willing to, I'll sign an NDA. I don't care. I'm not <laughs> oh, going to take your idea. <laughs> oh, I'll tell, I, I, I'll tell everyone in private, but I already, 
I already, you know, just spilled my uh, guts on my Freddy movie idea. So I'm like, the, the Predator one is one where I feel even more confident about. So that one's I'm more, even though there's a Predator movie literally coming out next month, but mine's way different. So the beautiful thing about these franchises is they're going to be around. I don't have to make them next year or anything. Yeah, they are around and they've they've reached like the universal monster movie at this point, except a lot of the original people are still tied to him. So it's not as like on its own. But I um yeah, I, st- I still hope that they keep pushing for these movies to keep being made. People keep saying, make new ones, make new ones. And I'm like, have you seen like the list? all these new movies on Shudder, on Amazon, on Hulu, on Netflix, coming to theaters, all of these different movies. There's tons of new premises for horror movies, but we still get Dracula movies. We still get Invisible Man movies, you know, over mm-hmm. over these years. So I, I hope that we continue to get the horror icons. I hope they're around for a very, very long time. My dream is to make an icon of my own. Hmm. That would be cool. Right. It'd be cool to have somebody cosplay as like a character that you came up with. Like that must be a make that must be like such a cool feeling. Yeah. Would you act in your own movie? Like if you had like that slasher, would you want to be like in the movie or would you just want to be behind the scenes? Do you think I don't I don't consider myself a very good actor and I always get really nervous in front of the camera. That being said, absolutely, I would want to be a part on screen. I, I wouldn't want to like a real role. I would like to do like a little cameo or get killed or something. So you'd like to be like Jimmy Buffett with the margaritas. Am I right? <laughs> exactly. That is exactly the vibes that I want. Like, I don't want to be I don't want to be Taika Waititi playing like a major supporting role, you know, or a lead role in some of his movies. Our Quentin Tarantino does that a lot. I don't want to be like that, but it would be cool to like get killed by a predator (laughs) or ideally a monster of my own creation. I think that would be pretty cool. And then if it's like popular, people watch it'll be like, oh, that's Austin. He created this. That's so cool. And then, you know, they'll have like, however you die, you know, people will be going around dressed like you dying in the middle of the aisles at conventions. And they'll be like, I know that character. That would, would be, be cool. It would be so cool if I could be on the other side of conventions, yeah. like the other side of the table, so to speak. Would be super cool. That's that's something that we, is like a goal of mine. I want to get to a point where I create something that enough people enjoy. I know that I have people who like come up to me and they recognize me or whatever, but I want to get to point where I have something that a lot of people genuinely enjoy and I would love to hear those stories and like change people's lives in that way and just be able to also have that kind of I'm I'm not going to say clout but I guess influence where I feel like I could put a stop to a lot of the injustice going on in in like the world but I don't know I'm not in, in like really deep into some of this. So I'm not sure what people have to go through or how much say a lot of different like influential horror actors are when it comes to certain decisions or certain things at cons or whatever it might be. I feel like that would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I I would just like to be in a position where I can make someone's day through the art that I make and also pay the bills. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a dream. I feel you. Like I don't I don't need to be huge or anything because I, I, I don't like crowds. I get shy sometimes. I'm an extrovert for sure, but I, I'm an awkward boy. You know what I'm saying? So 
Long live the awkward people. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be cool to it would be cool to be able to do what I love full time and not have to worry about, you know, that it's a dream. Quit the day job. Like movie making is the day job. <laughs> yeah. If you had to be known like one main thing, what would your one main thing do? Like if you could absolutely achieve the dream, what would it be for? That is a really good question. Do you mean career-wise or like overall life? A little bit of both. Like if you created like the creator of whatever killer movie you want, you know, like that or just 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 anything in that that kind of capacity. Like if they interviewed you or something and they would put, you know, Austin Torres and then underneath it, what you are, like, what would that read for you and your oh, mind? Oh, so kind of, kind of like the first line of an obituary. Yeah. A little morbid. Sorry about that. But <laughs> so like, sadly, James Kahn passed away the other day, but his obituary is like the Godfather and Misery Star. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Loved him, by the way. So that was a bummer. Um, I guess I would want to be known as maker of monster movies. I like that. Because I want to play in franchises that already exist, but I also want to make my own monsters. And I got I got some ideas in the barrel. I, I got some scripts written, so I'm doing the work. <laughs> I think you could definitely do it. Become the monster master, the modern monster master. I think the that would be really cool. The monster mash stir. <laughs> the monster mashed potatoes. <laughs> how, how about you? What do you want your, what do you want to be known as? I go back and forth. I know people like to put me in movies and it's fun, but I don't think acting is the thing that I want to be known for. I, if I could be anything, I think it would be a personality, but not an actor or director or editor, because I don't think that those are my strong suits. It would probably be like becoming the Conan of O'Brien of horror or something oh. like that would be to go and travel the world and interview people and cover events. And, you know, if people want to have me in like cameo and stuff, that'd be cool. Oh, also it would be that it would be like Deandra, the Conan O'Brien of horror. Also that girl from the new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. That would be great. <laughs> So if you have a role for me in your nightmare movie or anybody, once again, Warner, thank you for listening this far. Um, please hire Austin. Also, if you have a role for me, thanks. Please put me in that. That would be super cool. I would, I would love that. And even if it was like one minor role where I died in nightmare, but it was like a fun character that people really enjoyed and maybe cosplayed. That would be super fun if it came full circle. But yeah, I would I would love to be somebody who interviews and tells stories and gets to just experience all these different things happening in the world of spooky. That would be a dream. That's a great dream. I think it's one you'll accomplish, especially since I think you're almost there, to be perfectly honest. I hope. I mean, I hope so. That would that would just be lovely because like we were just talking about the dream of being able to quit your day job and kind of go off. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like like horror content and whatnot is like the one thing that I'm really good at but at the same time it's like just so taxing like being able to do all this cool stuff online and then going into a day job and yeah you get cool stuff but it just doesn't I don't feel as confident creating 
like content for other people as I do for horror. It just feels natural. Like I don't have to think about it. And maybe it's because in a lot of instances, when people create content, you have to know your audience and the better that you know your audience, the more appealing the content will be. And like, I am my audience. So I would, I would hope so. I look up a lot to like Bailey Sarian on YouTube. I think she's so cool. And I would just love to like continue to create videos and give people like catchphrases to say, and then also go and interview people like just all that jazz. That would just be super, super fantabulous. We'll do it, Austin. Let's make a pact. Let's do it. We're going to make this happen. We're we're doing this together. Yes. I'm shaking your hand now. I don't know if you could feel it through the, through the screen, but I am. I I felt, I felt something. (laughs) I hope that was your hand, but I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to make a little, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a little uh, alteration to the deal though. Oh, okay. You have to be in more than just my nightmare movie. You All have right. To, you have to make more than one cameo. Mm, okay. Okay. Go on. Well, I don't know what movies I'm making. Um, oh, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, <all right>. um, <laughs> why don't we just make a movie? Yeah, that would be it'd be hard but we could do it oh heck yeah literally all i want to do is make monster movies they would be so cool we could talk about it yeah we'll we'll talk i don't want to figure it out i don't want to put all of my ideas (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) don't don't. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you you guys heard it we're gonna take the horror film world by storm you guys heard it here first yeah, they'll be like, oh, I remember listening to that podcast when they talked about it. And then they'll be like, I, I was there when it all started. I was, I was the first listener of the podcast the day it was released. And I've been with them since the beginning. And we'll be like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll thank them in our Oscar speeches and who knows what else, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it, well, I, I don't know about Oscars. We are making horror movies. <laughs> our uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Award speeches. <laughs> yes, that's that's the vibes. That's what we want. So me personally, I could care less about awards. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I ever won an award, I would be ecstatic because recognition. But the only awards I really like kind of daydream about our lifetime achievement awards yeah that's a good one to have when you know you really did something it's like multiple awesome things right and that's kind of like the because it's just like being recognized for a span of work a career and that that's really cool to me so that's something i'm work i would like to work towards that is a great goal don't ever lose sight of that goal no matter what anybody says well who cares what other people say they 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 got their own things to worry about i'll do me (laughs) <laughs> Amen. Amen. But um, I'm going to f- awkwardly force this conversation back into Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I um, forgot that's why we were kind of here. <laughs> I was having fun. Oh, that, no, that was great. But I'm like, oh, wait, there should be a little more Freddie content in this Freddy Krueger episode. <laughs> People have to listen to this point in the conversation to get here. <laughs> <laughs> We we talked a little bit of we talked a little bit about Freddie already. Yeah, we got a little and... salt and pepper of Freddie in there, a little sprinkle. Yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts on a nightmare on Elm Street being inducted into the National Film Registry? I think it's about time. I mean, it is 
so impactful piece of cinema, really the cultural influence that it had in the eighties and on and how iconic Freddie is as a character. It just is like one of those things that made a lasting impression on cinema. And it's like, how could you not? And the fact that it then moved on into influencing Scream and then influencing just, just different elements of pop culture. Um, between spoofs in TV shows or cartoons or movies or, you know, a little homage and stranger things. I mean, for something to go that deep, I'm surprised it hasn't been sooner, but it's a, it's a well-deserved moment in history to recognize a nightmare in Elm Street because it's, uh, it is, it, it really made an impact on everything. So it belongs there. I 100% agree. And there's not a lot of horror movies that make it into that make it into this iconic list. Yeah. So for a horror movie to be on this list, it is it's got to be the best of the best. Totally. And Nightmare on Elm Street is I haven't looked at some of the other horror movies that are are on the list, but it just makes sense for me. And I think a lot of people that it, it finally has this place in history. Because, I mean, when people think about horror, sure, they'll think about Dracula and Frankenstein and things like that. But they really think a lot about these iconic characters. And despite all of the different movies that have come out over the years, I mean, there's still just a handful of characters that people remember, even all these years later, and are bringing back into all those things that we talked about. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely warranted. Well, I have the list up right now and just kind of browsing browsing through it i there's alien oh yeah definitely halloween Mm -hmm. the first dracula film yeah that's fair the exorcist makes sense Mm -hmm. uh frankenstein there's really not too many horror films as i'm going through jaws jurassic park yeah those are like the big those are like the big ones i mean those are pretty massive so yeah in good company. Is is Friday the 13th on there? I didn't see it, but Michael Jackson's Thriller is. Okay, that's fair. It, it is the greatest music video of all time. Hands down. Um, like I I try to think I'm very I'm a very respectful and tolerant person, but if anyone says that there's a better music video than Michael Jackson's Thriller, I will fist fight them in a in a Denny's parking lot. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll hold your stuff. I'll hold your uh, to-go box of pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get him, Austin. <laughs> and you need a nice hearty breakfast after kicking ass in the name of Thriller. Absolutely. I'm I'm uh. here. I'm here for it. <laughs> Night, of the, Night of the Living Dead is on this list. I can definitely see that. Yep. Another one of those big ones. I think that's an incredibly important film. I'm happy that's on Psycho. Psycho's on here. Two films that I have not seen that are on my Snacks and Screams list. Psycho and Night of the Living Dead? Yeah. Wow. I I think you'll like those movies. I hope so. I mean, I feel like I will because they're every movie that's had like notoriety or been known for being like a good movie I've liked I've been like okay yeah I could see why but yeah I've just never seen them I've been like oh yeah Psycho okay all right yeah I keep forgetting about it because I keep watching other ones and the Night of the Living Dead is another one of those but I kind of put that off because zombies aren't my favorite so kind of shy away from that typically you you know what unpopular opinion but zombies aren't my favorite either I appreciate them but Mm -hmm. 
there are other horror subgenres I would rather put on than zombies. Mm-hmm. Although most of my dislike of zombies comes from the fact that I'm actually terrified of them. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I do not like apocalypse. I don't like the idea of the world ending and I do, cannibalism freaks me out. So you put those two together and you get zombie movies. So it's the worst of both worlds. Yeah, I I see what you mean. I think demon movies, ah, bringing it full circle. But demon movies are the ones that freak me out the most. Mm. And I think it's because what terrifies me is unstoppable evil because because like if i was being like harassed by ghost face like i could get lucky you know it depends on the ghost face but like i don't know i think i could kick jill's ass yeah they've all been defeated up until this point yeah i mean if sydney prescott can do it why can't i you know exactly but a demon like you do the wrong thing and then all of a sudden, all your spoons are on the ceiling. No, I can't deal with that. No, I'd have to wash them first. That'd be like the worst. I'd be like, thanks for the to-do list, <laughs> demon. <laughs> and it's just like in the demon movies where it's like, where they like insidious, where they move and they're still being haunted. It's like, you know how expensive it is to move in this economy and for it to do nothing? <laughs> Ultimately, demons are just a huge inconvenience. <laughs> like, really? right. come on, man. I just want a good night's sleep. I just want to move into a peaceful place. I just want to have clean spoons. <laughs> can, you, <laughs> can you imagine if Freddy had spoons instead of knives? Oh, my God. What would he do with them? <laughs> would uh, he just, like, eat a lot of soup? Or ice cream. Oh, okay. All right. Definitely. Because then he would still be my favorite. Not that the claws are the only thing I like about him, but Freddy and ice cream, I'm, I'm there. It would be like the anti-Freddy. <laughs> the, the Eddie. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Flooser. <laughs> Eddie Flooser. <laughs> oh no, not Eddie Flooser. He's going to get melted ice cream on my carpet. <laughs> Well, I imagine he's like nice and he's like, hey, Freddy Krueger is going to kill you with his knives. Eddie Floozer's here with ice cream and vibes. (laughs) Does he also wear a red and green striped sweater or is it like? No, it's green and red. Oh, it's green and red. Okay. (laughs) Not not red and green, but green and red. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And instead of uh, world and instead of a fedora, (laughs) it's like. What what do the cool kids wear? Um, backwards baseball caps, flat caps. Yes, a backwards oh baseball God. cap. He's a backwards base. Dude, Eddie Floozer's a bro underneath, actually. He's like, yeah, dude, Freddie, he's going to come after you. If you eat some ice cream, though, he won't. And I'll be like, okay. And I believe uh, him. <laughs> well, yeah, because he, he's got your back and he's going to he's going to be like, hey, you ever hear of Zeppelin? And he's going to show you dope music. <laughs> Honestly, I want I want this to be real. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole pitch we went over earlier in the episode, throw it all away because now we're doing uh-huh. now we're doing Eddie versus Freddy. Oh, oh, that's going to be the best. Freddy is so done for. He's oh, so yeah. done for. They're going to be like, oh, my God, he crushed him so bad. We're taking him out of like all of this impressive stuff like no more we're canceling freddy he's lame at this point yeah exactly <laughs> like who watches primetime television anymore freddy we're all on netflix now yeah bro 
Netflix and chill with Eddie Flooser. <laughs> Eddie Flooser. Yeah, that that's the vibes. Oh, cosine for real, for real on God. <laughs> I got to ask, what is your favorite Freddie one liner? Oh, shoot. Let's see. Oh, man, I think how's this for a wet dream is really inappropriate and funny, <laughs> but I <laughs> this is so gross. I'm actually a pervert. Uh, in <laughs> Freddie versus Jason, when he says, when he says, I should warn you, princess, the first time gets a little messy. I'm like, oh, I oh weird. I'm like, oh. and like my horny teenage body was like, oh, gross. But like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. I, like, oh, no. <laughs> I think that line is so funny. I know he's got like so many great ones, but. I always think about that or like, I just randomly say, oh, tilt. <laughs> it's just <laughs> random things. It's random things. Uh, what is your favorite Freddy one-liner? Well, I'm a basic bitch. My favorite Pokemon's Pikachu. My favorite superhero <laughs> Spider-Man. And my favorite Freddy line is welcome to prime time, bitch. Oh, gotta love that. I love it when he calls people bitch actually if i had to pick one it would just be freddie calling people bitch just bitch that's it <laughs> a man after my own heart i'm always I, like bitch <laughs> i do have to say one of my favorite one that just like i'm just gonna rip off the band-aid and say this is one of my favorites i think it's in freddie five um the dream child where he comes back to life and he just yells it's a boy <laughs> <laughs> He's got those gross arms too. Yeah. Oh, put them away. Put them away. I hate them. That baby is so ugly. Oh, I hate his little butt. <laughs> I, oh, oh, I, I love the baby trend in like blockbusters now. Cause you got baby Yoda, you got baby group. I forgot about baby Freddy and I hate baby yeah. Freddy. Oh God. He's so gross. He's got that giant head and that like those big eyes and that little nose and that umbilical cord. <laughs> he is so gross. I just want to step on him. Well, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the vibes, you know? No, man. Like uh, anything that's not vibes is like totes cringe, you know? Ex exactly. And we do not like baby Freddy. No, uh, baby Freddy is cringe. I, I'm not, I'm normally not in the business of punting infants. But I would punt baby Freddy. Oh, man. I'll hold up like the. I'll stand in front of the goalpost and be like, go or whatever. <laughs> they do touchdown or whatever. <laughs> Sports. Sports. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're you were on the right sport. So both times you're yeah. on the right sport. Thank so you. Oh, thank so I'll take it. I don't want people um, to think I'm a total idiot. <laughs> Well, it's funny because horror fans and sports fans don't align too often. They do, but not very much. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Except for I've always found it wrestling. Oh, yeah. Big time. I've always found it to be really interesting whenever people are like huge sports fans and they've got like, I live in Columbus, Ohio. And so <laughs> everybody here loves the freaking Buckeyes. And I just remember one time someone was like, 
someone was like, oh yeah, it's going to be busy tonight. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, what are you talking about? They're like, it's game day. I'm like, for what? And they're like, the Buckeyes. I said, whoops. And I just, it just feels like whenever people have like all the memorabilia and then they name their child, I'm not even joking. There is a child in this general area whose name, her last name is Gray, okay? Her first name is Scarlet and her middle name is Anne. Her name is Scarlet and Gray. I'm like, (laughs) wow, that is like next level. And I just feel like when people are like, oh, look at those nerds go to Comic-Con. And I'm I'm like, Chuck, your child is named Scarlet and Gray. Like, can we just, just, like there that is the one place like <laughs> fandoms sports fandoms and like nerd fandoms like they are so similar people just don't often make that connection i'm like bro you're actually a nerd for sports accept it accept and, it or I'm just right eddie floozer after you <laughs> i can't get over that name scarlet and Gr- it, i honestly kind of love it is that bad i mean I mean, it's a pretty name, Scarlet and Gray, but like. Technically, they're all like she... real names. <laughs> yeah, they didn't call her and her middle name is not and. Right. So I, it would be I funny thought... if she grew up and like went to Michigan State or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly, when you were setting that up, I honestly was thinking in my head, please don't say there's a kid named Brutus. <laughs> there probably is there there probably, there probably is there probably is i i know i know how you feel though because i am a uh child of metro detroit so mm. we got a bunch of professional sports teams and then we have the michigan wolverines so everyone in my <laughs> area is uh, i went to michigan state so i can't stand the other school and i was in that marching band so we're intense like Oh, oh, the rivalry means something to me. (laughs) I got, I mean, I still see people with like, (laughs) someone cut me off the other day and they had a Michigan state like license plate. And I was like, first of all, bold move. Second of all, (laughs) second of all, of course you cut me off. You're from Michigan. (laughs) How could you? You're a Michigan fan. And I don't even give a crap about the Buckeyes. Like I've just been grandfathered in, like I live here. So I guess I have some kind of fandom. Like I've been to game day things before, but I just go for mm-hmm. the food. They're like, yeah, team. I'm like, go cream. And I've got like nacho cheese falling out of my mouth. <laughs> well, sometimes it's just fun. It's just fun for the environment sometimes. Oh yeah. I love, I love parties and I love food. So bring me on. I'm like, I'll be there. You know, I'll yeah. be there. What color do I need to wear? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Who's playing? Okay. I'll, I'll show up. Would Freddie be a Buckeye fan? Maybe because Brutus has a striped shirt. So maybe it's on vibe. And Scarlet is a shade of red. Yes. And gray. I mean, if you like squint at first, depending on the lighting, I mean, it looks like he kind of has either black or gray, whatever it might be, you know? And like... If you say gray weird, you could be like gray in terms of gray. <laughs> gray? I, am st- I am stretching like Freddie's arms right now. <laughs> <laughs>
maybe maybe Eddie Flueser is a Buckeye. I don't know. <laughs> I like to think he's neutral though, because he doesn't pick sides because he's everybody's friend. Eddie Flueser um, wears like just a a shirt that says college sports. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> so. With his backwards is, cap on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. His, his ice cream spoon hands. <laughs> this is the greatest character of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Move move <laughs> over. Move over uh, Darth Vader and uh, Atticus Finch. Eddie yeah. Cruiser's in town. <laughs> he's on the rise, man. He is. Oh, my God. He's going to be on the cover of Time magazine. Oh. <sighs> Man of the year, people's sexiest man alive. <laughs> Eddie Flueser. He ah, oh, he needs a catchphrase. Oh, um, have some ice cream, bitch. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta think what, about this. What, what do you call people, bitch? He, he probably wouldn't. I mean, it might be like, have some ice cream, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have have some ice cream, buddy. Yeah, oh, that yeah. would be it. Everybody's buddy. They're not bitch. They're buddy. It's another B word, but it's nicer. Right. And, and it'll like call people, but instead of like ghost face vibes, instead of what's your favorite scary movie, it's what's your favorite ice cream flavor. Oh, yes. Can you imagine getting a call and someone be like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? And you're like, who is this? Right. <laughs> Why do you want to know? And then you like get a, a ring on your doorbell and you look outside and there's a little ice cream waiting for you. Oh, oh man. The kindness wow. is horrifying. <laughs> He's so kind. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eddie. We stand a king. We do. We stand an ice cream king. My man. Ice cream king. Oh, I love it. <laughs> He's probably the most wholesome person. Like his favorite TV show is the Golden Girls. Oh, mine too. We're definitely best friends. <laughs> Actually, that's on this coffee cup that I'm drinking out of right now. It's got the Golden Girls on one side and on the other side, it's got a picture of Dorothy and it says, no, we'll not have a nice day, which is honestly really hard for me to buy. Like I thought it was funny because it was her and it was the Golden Girls, but I was like, oh, I want everybody to have a nice day. I feel guilty having this cup. <laughs> so maybe Eddie feels the same way. Maybe somebody was like, oh, I got this for you, Eddie. And he's like, oh, I love it. I, I use it all the time because my favorite show is the Golden Girls, but it's kind of mean on the front. So I feel bad when I drink out of it. <laughs> I love, I love this. This is the most wholesome character. He is. He's a real cinnamon roll, that Eddie. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if we talked enough about Freddie, but we had an amazing conversation today. We did. We talked a lot about Eddie. <laughs> Yes, yes. A Eddie, Eddie is the superior. Um, a daydream yes. on Pine Avenue. Oh, that's cute. Oh, it's like a kid show. Yeah. It's like a kid show. Oh. Instead of oh, Freddy versus it's... Jason, it's like Eddie meets Paddington. Oh, my God. Oh, the potential. The potential. We might have just given away our million dollar idea because now Disney is listening in on this. 
and they're like you know what that's it that's it i mean disney can afford to give us some hush money probably i hope so we've got records we've got receipts this is the recording day and like take it and they could they could afford to buy i mean i i'll 100 be a sellout eddie floozer is about to pay for my student loans to pay for your monster movies yes yes mm-hmm. but uh this has been amazing and <laughs> i want this to keep going but i can't unfortunately i'm all like i'm already thinking okay when's deandra coming back on the show when's round two <laughs> So there, there's no escape from me. Um, we're we're gonna start talks soon. Good. Let's <laughs> do this it. Had, this has been too much fun. Um, where can where can the peeps find you on the social webs? The peeps can find me on pretty much anything as sassy sledgehammer, and depending on the character count, it's either sledgehammer. And one word like the full thing or sledge H M M R because I have to take out a couple of vowels. So mm. yeah, typically I'm mostly on Twitter a lot, on Instagram and TikTok, but like I'm kind of trying to transition it from one cosplay character to like other stuff. So it's not too horror. And then you can find myself and my other half over at the Captain Sassy Media channel on YouTube. Um, We have a bunch of little things that we're trying to do. We have our show Snacks and Screams, where I watch scary movies that I've never seen before and pair them with snacks that I'm having for the first time because everybody loves snacks. What would movie nights be without like something to eat? Honestly, it's really hard to watch a movie and not eat something. So this show is for y'all. That is mostly it. But I do have another piece of information. Ooh, do tell, please. Well, in case anybody missed it, um, and if you're listening to this, you are probably in a Nightmare on a Street fan of some kind. Um, My friends and I... It, that makes it sound a lot less uh, formal than it is. <laughs> Friends slash teammates slash fellow filmmakers and I have been making a documentary for the past 12, 12 years. Oh my God, six years, <laughs> half of 12, <laughs> half a dozen years about the phantom of A Nightmare on Elm Street and the, the cultural impact of A Nightmare on Elm Street and a lot of fan stories, including our own. Um, mine is included. It goes pretty in depth and it's called Fred heads, the documentary. And it is, it was recently announced by Fangoria that Fred heads will be premiering at horror Hound week in Cincinnati on September 11th, 2022 at uh 1:30 PM with a red car event starting at one um, at the Horror Hound Film Festival. So we're really excited because all of this work over all of these years is finally going to be shared with the world and we can't wait. I also can't wait. That is so exciting. Ah, oh, that is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. I can't Thank wait. You. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I hope everybody likes it. And, you know, we'd love to hear your feedback. We hope that when Fred Heads watch it, that you feel connected to some of the stories and then we're always 
hoping that people will share their stories with us. So when this comes out, even if you didn't get a chance to be in the documentary, we'd still love to hear your stories and maybe we'll, we'll share them too. Oh, that's awesome. I, I cannot wait. That sounds like the best thing. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be so awesome. Thanks, bud. (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. This was a blast and I can't wait. Hopefully you are back soon. I would definitely love to be back soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Deandra for being awesome and joining me in an amazing talk about teenage horror, the National Film Registry, our dreams and aspirations, and of course, Eddie Flooser. Oh, and Freddy Krueger, I guess. If you have any plans on going to Horror Hound Cincinnati this September, I highly recommend checking out Fred Head's The Documentary. We're horror fans. How can we not? So today, it's the 25th episode of the podcast, and I wanted to try something new by introducing a new segment, which I call, I Know What Austin Watched Last Week. It's kind of like a, I Know What You Did Last Summer parody title. Anyways, it's a segment in which I want to talk about a horror movie I watched since the last episode. And today, I'm going to talk about Joe Dante's Piranha from 1978. I thought it was an incredibly fun film. It's clearly a Jaws ripoff, but it knows it's a Jaws ripoff. It's in on the joke, and it's just a lot of fun. It's <laughs> it's got a bunch of gore. It's got a bunch of tits. It's very much a 70s movie that kind of embraces its silliness and its strengths. It's a movie you can sit down, watch, turn off your brain, and just enjoy. But that's not to say the film's dumb or thoughtless. There's actually a lot of really interesting themes and subtext in this film. Like like how Jaws has a very anti-capitalist thing going on. Piranhas is very anti-war. It's very critical of the government. And, um using science as a way to hurt people. And it's done with genetically mutated killer piranhas. It's awesome. Um, If you don't tend to like films from the 60s or 70s, it does have that 70s pacing. So as long as you can appreciate the classics, I think you'll enjoy the absurdity that is Piranha. It's a lot of fun. It's very clever, and I kind of want to watch it again. (laughs) In other horror news, the Halloween Ends trailer literally just dropped, and I'm always down for anything featuring Mikey Mai Mai, so I'm very excited. I was one of the people that liked Halloween Kills. I mean, there were some things I didn't vibe with, but it was a good time, and I think Halloween Ends is going to be a good time as well. And I'm super excited because Nope comes out tomorrow. I don't know too much, but I've seen some trailers, so it feels like an alien movie. I love aliens. I mean, you guys know that with how many times I talked about the Xenomorph and how often I bring up Predator. But like The Thing, War of the Worlds, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I love alien horror and... um, I'm excited to see Jordan Peele tackle it. Jordan Peele is great. 
<laughs> I loved Get Out. I loved Us. And I'm excited for Nope. I think the cast is going to be awesome, especially Steven Yen. He's one of my favorites. Like, he, he is up there as one of my favorite actors. So I think Nope's going to be a blast, and I'm really excited to watch it. As always, you can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we're going to change it up a little bit by looking at a little bit of history. Um, I guess it's modern history that impacts horror films. And I'm bringing on another Spartan trumpet. Not Doug, but I think he'll be back on. But a fellow Spartan trumpet of mine. We're going to talk about some horror history. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think you guys are going to be... It's history, but it's relevant to today. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, especially if you're a Stranger Things fan. That's all I'm going to say about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you like today's episode. And until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.